The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast. You're more in pitching podcast from pitchless.com. My name is Nick Pollock. Today, we're going to talk about the Pittsburgh Pirates. And don't, oh, wait, hold on. Do not skip through this podcast. This is actually a very interesting one. I think there are a lot of intriguing players to discuss with the Pirates. They're going to face the Reds, and then they're going to face the Red Sox, which honestly isn't the worst to start the year because the Red Sox aren't as good of an offense. And it is Cincinnati uh, in Cincinnati. It is, <laughs> it is the Reds in Cincinnati, which is a little bit tougher. I don't know if I necessarily want to start these guys, but I want to have this conversation because I think there are some players that could be actually, maybe one of them is my biggest sleeper for 2023, and we'll get into that. Uh, But I'm reviewing all 30 starting pitching rotations across the month of January. Make sure you listen to all the other podcasts and get a full understanding of all the options before I give you my top 200 starting pitching rankings in February. So let's get going with Ruanzi Contreras, who went 5-5 last year across 95 innings, a 379 ERA, 127 whip, and a 21% K rate with actually about a 10% walk rate. Contreras feels like he should be the best pitcher on the Pirates. I'm avoiding this. I call it the Wasker Enoa rule, where if you have a really good slider, but a fastball that allows a lot of hard contact, I am avoiding this. It's too volatile. It's too cherry bomb-esque. And Contreras' four-seamer last year, I know it was only 95-inning sample, still 43% hard contact. No! Sub-9% swing strike rate. He did throw harder earlier in the season, about 96 miles per hour, and then he was about 94-95 from the middle of August till the end of the year. Could have been fatigue, you could argue. Still, I don't buy into Contreras' fastball being good enough. And if it's not a good enough fastball, if it's not a two-pitch mix of two excellent pitches, I'm not in. And considering, really, for all these guys here, we talk about the Pirates, not a high-win team. Do not expect them to get a ton of wins. And especially these younger guys, too, they're not going to likely put uh, up about 100-plus pitches. Maybe Mitch Keller, Rich Hill could do that. Maybe Brew Baker, but Contreras and Ortiz, Velasquez, and Juan Aviedo do not expect that longer leash. Maybe Contreras a little bit. He was able to go close to the six innings. Still, I think all those factors mean that all Pittsburgh Pirates pitchers are at a disadvantage innately because of the team that they're on, not to mention... The Pirates also aren't the best at development. We've seen this over the years. I know that they tried to really revamp it entering 2020. Still not the pinnacle of pitching development yet. And that will also inhibit their ceilings. So with all those factors, and again, Contreras' fastball, not a good one. I'm not in. 
I do love the slider. It gets a lot of whiffs. 24% swing strike rate last year. He has a cripple he can get strikes with, but I think this is too risky, and I'm not going to be chasing Ronson Contreras in my drafts in 2023. Ritual is a little bit more interesting. 8-7 record last year, 124 innings, 427 ERA, 130 whip, uh, 21% K rate, and a 7% walk rate. Keep in mind, it was with the Rays, and the Rays were limiting him. One day he'd throw seven innings, the next he'd go four innings, and the next one he'd also go four innings. We didn't really know what the Rays were going to allow him to do in a given start. I don't think that's going to be the case with the Pirates. The Pirates are just going to say, great, we have somebody to get us innings. Just go and do that to the best of your ability. Please, Rich Hill, until you find yourself on the IL again. So you're going to see an IPS above five, thankfully, maybe even closer to six uh, from Rich Hill. He'll be allowed to go 90 plus pitches, I think, constantly. How good is it going to be? That's another story. The fastball has always been above a 30% CSW despite being about 88 miles per hour for Rich Hill, which is staggering if you ask me. And his curveball is still a really good pitch. I think you're going to find Rich Hill to be a, a decent streamer through the year. Kind of Cherry Bomb-esque. I'm not going to pursue him in my 12-teamers. I'm not going to save him for that uh, red start at the beginning of the year. It's not the worst thing ever. 15-teamers, honestly, yeah. I'm fine with having Rich Hill for that first weekend. But... Don't expect too many innings, considering the massive injury risk of Rich Hill. And we are all just waiting for the season where it really falls apart. I don't think it was last season. I think the Rays kind of messed around with him a little too much for him to get any sort of consistency. He still had some great starts last year. And I think the 130 whip should get better, as he shouldn't have a 9.1 hit per nine for another season. So Rich Hill is actually a decent streamer and someone to consider through the year. Mitch Keller... 5-12 5-12 record last year, 159 innings on the docket, 3-9-1 ERA, 1-4 whip, 20% K rate, and a 9% walk rate. I know, it's a 3-9-1 ERA, it's amazing, but the ERA really hurt you. Sorry, the, the whip really hurt you. He's a bit of a conundrum where his slider has incredible stuff plus numbers, one of the best sliders according to Eno's uh, pitch quantifier. However... It's location, oh boy, it would be all over the place. He threw some really bad located sliders, either in the middle of the plate or well out of the zone. And it made him very inconsistent. That said, his four-seamer increased its velocity. I had that uh, tweet last year after you hit 100.9 on the gun in the the offseason. We saw a video of that, I believe, with Tread Athletics. And its hard contact rate dropped from 31% to 18.5. A sub-20 hard contact rate on your four-seamer is insane. You just don't see that. And that's really cool to see from Mitch Keller. I don't know if that's really believable for another season, but he did elevate with a purpose. In his final eight starts of the year, Mitch Keller had a 2.42 ERA and a 1.25 whip with a 24% K rate. Maybe this is somewhat legit. Um, I don't know if I believe the command overall for Mitch Keller to actually buy into a a breakout season. The 125 whip is still not great in those eight starts. But there is Blake Snell blueprint possibilities here with four seamers up and sliders down. Just stop throwing that dang sinker. It's not a good sinker. Really, just turn into a two-pitch pitcher with four seamers up, sliders down. That's what I want from Mitch Keller. I mean, the curveball fine can hang out too, but... That's it. That's all I want to see from Mitch Keller. Um, I wonder if we'll see it. I don't think we are, but that would actually be what I need to really lean in on Mitch Keller. Um, there are some other intriguing options, uh, including Coffee Cakes, Luis Ortiz, Julian Aviedo, and Vince Velasquez. And we're going to talk about all of those 
after this break. So I don't know who the number four is for the, the Pirates. I'm going to assume it's JT Brubaker, who went 3-12 and 12 last year. Oh, boy. 144 uh, innings in the book. Th- uh, 469 ERA, 147 whip, but he had a 23% K rate, 8% walk rate as well. His slider, this is kind of the story with the Pirates. All their guys have really good sliders. Uh, 23% swing strike rate last year and a 66% strike rate. Also, the curveball's pretty decent too. The sinker is reliant on called strikes, but it's not Brady Singer levels of called strikes and it gets hit pretty hard. That's really the problem. I don't think that I can trust JT Brubaker, otherwise known as Coffee Cakes, to have a good enough sinker to make him worthwhile on my 12-teamers. But he is a streaming option, especially with that good slider. And yeah, on a given day, if the sinker doesn't get crushed, he can have a really good start. That's kind of the story of the Pirates pitchers. Same with Contreras. Uh, same with Mitch Keller, I guess, too. I mean, as long as he's throwing enough strikes with the slider. But yeah, that's JT Brubaker. Streaming option. It's a it's a volatile streaming option. Uh, 15 teamers, I think I'm just going to be too frustrated. I don't think that he's going to really hit a ceiling of consistency that we want to see because that sinker is just not good enough. Vince Velasquez is likely to get the fifth spot. He started for the Chicago White Sox when they were injury-laden in the beginning of the year. Then he moved to the bullpen. The Pirates signed him. It feels like, yeah, you're just going to get the uh, the opportunities while the young guys, Ortiz and Aviedo, are going to be fill-ins through the year once there's rotation spots opening up, which are sure to happen, especially with a team that has Velasquez and Rich Hill inside of it. What do you expect from this? Well, Velasquez has had a 12% plus swing strike rate on his four-seamer through the years. I don't think he has the best command of it. And I don't think he's going to have that round 200 batting average allowed that he had last year. Uh, Velasquez's four-seamer has gone down in swing strike rate and in velocity. Allowed more hard contact. The slider is not that stellar number two pitch. And the curve isn't really much to talk about. So... From that angle, I don't think Vince Velasquez really is something to believe in. He hasn't been for a while at this point. And I would not really consider Vince Velasquez for any leagues uh, moving forward. Rare streaming type, essentially. Now, Luis Ortiz or Johan Aviedo. There's a lot of hype surrounding Luis Ortiz. The guy throws like 99 miles per hour, has some ridiculous lateral movement. And they'll say, look, like outside of that last start, he was putting up some fantastic numbers. He, he had a point to inning start against the Cardinals just like walked the entire team so we can want to move past that still I think there's too much to fix with Luis Ortiz he throws 99 miles per hour great but it's lateral and he did not have a 10% swing strike rate despite that velocity there were some beautiful looking ones but I don't think that Ortiz's fastball is actually that good meanwhile the slider gets lots of whiffs but he really does struggle with command, Luis Ortiz, at this moment. And it's gorgeous to watch him. I mean, he took down the Yankees. He took down the Cubs. It is really fun watching it. And I think it's going to be a headache when he when he starts. The fastball is volatile. The whole thing is still volatile. And throw that in with the lack of wins, the logjam in the rotation, the likely cap that he's uh, of, of pitches inside of his starts, probably like 80-85, not going to be unleashed to 95 100 and I don't think the fastball is going to miss enough bats I don't I don't know if it's going to be like a 20% hard contact rate that we saw last year like the x average was sub 200 but again 16 innings is all we saw this is going to be too much of a headache there's way too much risk I think at the moment for Luis Ortiz 
And I think I'm seeing him go in 12-teamers at the moment. He might not even be starting to begin the year. And I know that it's confusing concerning how excited I was to watch Luis Ortiz. And he can be so much fun to watch. Don't get me wrong. I will get hyped at seeing beautiful pitches executed. I don't have faith that Ortiz has a good enough has good enough consistency and command to be a starter you actually want to roster in 12-teamers. It's just too much risk at this moment. And then there's Johan Aviedo. And I actually remember, I think it was 2020, maybe it was 2021, that I saw Johan Aviedo start for the Cardinals. And I remember just saying, like, there is something here. And there still is. I think, actually, among all these Pittsburgh Pirates pitchers, Johan Aviedo has the highest chance of actually becoming a super legitimate pitcher. I think his ceiling is the highest, is what I'm trying to say. And the reason for that is he has a slider that has a 70% strike rate last year. Good movement on it and all of it. And his fastball, the delivery of it, he has a low uh, VAA. It was under five. I, I did a whole thing with on the stream about Alex Chamberlain's pitch leaderboard. And you can actually see that he improved his, uh, his release point and everything to actually get flatter. And I think there's something there to it. He throws 96-97 with it. And he also has ex- excellent extension on his fastball. The problem? His location of it. He had 32% YM lock on his four-seamer. Essentially, he couldn't make up his mind where in the zone does he want his four-seamer to be located. Nothing was 50% plus. If Johan Aviedo next year is throwing over 50% high lock, not even like 60-70%, which I really want him to be, if he's just above 50%, maybe 55% high lock on his four-seamer, I think you're going to see that 7% swing strike rate on the fastball turn into 10, 11, 12%, if not more. I, I legitimately believe in this pitch. And then you throw in the fact that he has a really good slider that he gets a ton of strikes with. And there's also a curveball that he mixes in there too. 36% CSW, by the way, on that slider. I am really hyped by this. I think he can do it. I think he actually has this potential to be unlocked. Now, the Pirates, as I mentioned, are they actually going to give him the guidance that Aviedo needs? And is he going to get the opportunity to mess around with it? I don't know. But if you're looking for a legitimate dark horse sleeper, I think Johan Aviedo is actually the one to go for. I was looking up NFBC draft champions drafts, not the gladiator ones, about 550 in ADP. I think that there's something here for Johan Aviedo. And more so for than anyone else inside of this rotation, if you can believe it. It's crazy, I know, but I think he's that close to getting it. And all that he needs is just focusing on a high lock with four seamers with consistency. And I watched some of this with the, against the Cubs, and where were they located? Where, were they, where was the intent? It was outside, glove was middle of the plate, right? And that's what he was trying to pinpoint. It kind of reminds me of Luis Castillo's release. And you saw what he did with the Mariners once he actually started to try and elevate with four seamers. There you go. That was it. Slider got better too. Ugh. I kind of think it's there. Uh, Dynasty Leagues. I think I would be pursuing Johan Aviedo now. Now is the time, I think, to do it. Uh, 
I, I kind of just want to be like, hey, Yankees, can you make a deal that's like Brian Reynolds and Johan Aviedo for, I don't know, deal something that's of value. And that would be it. That's what I would love to see. But um, but yeah, I, I, I can't stop. I don't know. I, it's just I see it. I see that path. I really want to emphasize here that is a change that needs to happen. And I have not seen it yet. Right. I don't want you and 12 teamers to go and take him. Absolutely not. He doesn't even have a spot in the rotation as of right now. But don't forget the name. That's all I'm saying. Okay. That is going to do it for this edition of the Plus Pitch Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. It is public now. Leave a rating and review as well. And of course, we got PitchCon coming up soon. Uh, on Wednesday, the 25th of January, 100%, 100% of everything we raise in that is going to the ALS Foundation. So make sure you show up. Enjoy all the, the four days of, of conferences from 11 to 10 Wednesday through Saturday and good luck winning all of those wonderful prizes. I can't wait for that, but that's going to do it for today. So my name is Nick Pollock and may your babs below and your strikeouts high.